Pastor Xavier Reese talks about what happens when we forgo God's prescription for marriage. Jesus declares that male and female can never be two after marriage, but one. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. The word join means to glue. You ever put two boards together and glue them together? Then try to take them apart? You may accomplish it, but how do they look? That's what happens in divorce. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Despite the long hours and heavy workloads, most people have no problem being loyal to their jobs. But these same people often treat their own marriage as a temporary vocation. Today, Pastor Xavier addresses this dilemma in a powerful message from Deuteronomy chapter 24 titled Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. Let's listen. You know, the book entitled uh, The Day America Told the Truth, I've used it at different times in an sta- article entitled What Men and Women Really Believe About Marriage. On page 88 and 89, it says this, Marriage just doesn't mean what it always used to mean. Uh, he says, The majority of men and women now believe in their hearts that it is a good idea to live together before marriage. But that's nothing new. We know that. Uh, almost half of all Americans take the thought one step further. Nearly half of us say that there is no reason ever to get married. What a tragic statement. And even when children are involved, only 32% of us believe that we should try to stick out bad marriages for the sake of the kids. Divorce, in fact, is what will happen to most marriages. 44% of us agree that most marriages will end up in divorce. 59% of all Americans believe it is a smart idea to draw up a prenuptial agreement just in case. Listen, if you enter marriage with the preconceived ideas that if it doesn't work, don't get married because it's not going to work. You've already opened the door. You've already opened the door. You're going to get married. You get into marriage with the idea, I'm here for life, no matter what. And health and richness and poor poverty makes no difference. And richness and health, whatever it may be, you're in for life. And if you can't handle that, don't get married. Really don't. You know, I, uh, I came from a home that uh, was not a Christian, and my parents had problems. My dad drank, and, but you know what? I, my home was, I love my home. I love my parents. They love me. And you know what they were committed to? They were committed to marriage. And I'm the better off for it, even though there were things there that took place that probably um, I would have been better off if they didn't. I'm better off because they did stick together. Okay? There's no commitment to marriage today, even in the Christian community. And Christians do it real spiritually. They get divorced, and then they go find another church. And then they go tell the sad story over there. Listen, God knows your heart, you rat. Okay? You can tell me all the story you want, but you're going to have to face God in judgment. You understand me? So it doesn't matter what I believe. It's what God knows. That's important. Now, the seriousness of the words of Jesus about marriage and divorce, and he'll touch also remarriage. We go to the New Testament, and that's Matthew 19, verses 1 through 12. Notice first Jesus had just finished the parable of the unforgiving servant at Galilee in the previous chapter. You remember that servant who owed millions and his master forgave him. Then his guy owed him just pennies. He went out and says, give me what you owe me. Okay, keep that in mind. The Lord had departed from Galilee towards Jerusalem by way of Perea on the east side of the Jordan. 
and come to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, verse 1 tells us of chapter 19. The Pharisees came to him, notice that, testing him in verse 3, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Why did they ask that question? There were two schools of thought in Jesus' day. First, the first school of thought was by Shemaiah, the, the rabbi, who taught that adultery was the only reason for divorce, and he based it on Deuteronomy 24. The second school of thought was that of Hillel, who taught that for any reason you could divorce your wife based it on Deuteronomy 24, because the uncleanness is vague. Okay? The Pharisees were of the liberal side for any reason. Let me give you some examples of reasons that they were allowed to divorce. And I'm not joking. Jews could divorce their wives if they burned their bread. Put too much salt on their food. Rabbi Akiba said, if you see a woman more beautiful than your wife in the street, then your wife becomes unclean in your sight. You can divorce her. But we shouldn't be surprised. Look at our society. Are we any better? None at all. Notice secondly in verse 4. Jesus pointed them back to God's original creation and design where he created male and female. He says, and he answered them and said, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Speaking about Genesis 1.27 and also 5.2. Today our perverted society is promoting all kinds of sick alternate lifestyles as a norm and natural. It is not. The question was a sharp rebuke to those religious leaders who had the scriptures, yet they did not understand what they taught. Have you not read? It's a sharp rebuke. They had the scriptures. Notice thirdly in verse 5, Jesus also declares the purpose of design that God had in male and female in marriage. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they two should become one flesh. And we've mentioned that before. But let me point out some things here. First, marriage was, was and is the reason a man leaves his home. Leave means to separate and to sever the former relationships. But it doesn't mean abandonment of your parents. Men, leave your mommies. And don't let her in your house except for boundaries which you and your wife agree. You understand? You save us a lot of problems. Ladies, don't compare your husband to your dad. He's not your dad, okay? Save yourself a lot of problems. Marriage joins a man to his wife and they become one flesh. One flesh in sexual union. A blend of the two in one through their children, as we said. The household unity in harmony glorifying God in order to perpetuate a healthy and orderly home as well as society. Remember the home is the nucleus of society. The reason we have a messed up society is we have messed up homes. We Christians included. Okay? No different. Notice fourthly in verse 6, Jesus declares that male and female can never be two after marriage, but one. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. The word join means to glue, verse 5 and 6. You ever put two boards together and glue them together? Then try to take them apart? You may accomplish it, but how do they look? That's what happens in divorce. Marriage is a divine institution that binds you permanently for life. What God has joined together, no man should separate or put asunder. And the word separate means to depart or to place room between each other. You leave room between you and her, and someone's going to come between you. That's why I never advise separation, except on very severe and few cases. 
You work the marriage out together. That's how the problems got there. That's how they're resolved. Not separated. Notice fifthly, in verse 7 and 8, Jesus is asked the logical question by the Pharisees. Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And he answers it. Listen to him. And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Now listen. The words of Jesus seem to contradict the words of Moses and the law, according to the Pharisees. The Pharisees thought the provisions of Deuteronomy 24 were the law for divorce. It wasn't. as a concession. Jesus puts his finger on the heart of the problem as he tells them that Moses, because of the hardness of their hearts, permitted them to divorce their wives. There's a problem. A hard heart. Jesus tells them that the true standard is given by God at the beginning. No divorce was provided for in Genesis. Do you find it there? No. The concession of Deuteronomy was to regulate some control for the soundness of society in Israel as well as protection for the woman. That's what the passage taught. Now, having to go through legal proceedings would cause the man to think what he was doing. How often people do things without thinking and then afterwards go, oh, why? It's good to think. It's not that we don't do enough thinking. It's just that we do too much bad thinking and not enough good thinking. That's our problem. Secondly, having to go through the legal proceedings, divorce would not become a norm or lose its seriousness and shame. It has in our society today, right? Malachi records God's view of divorce. Listen to him. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence. Oh, how accurate. You know any divorce that doesn't have violence in its life afterwards? The kids have to choose. The kids are poisoned. The kids are manipulated. Oh, covers your garment with violence. Malachi 2.16. How accurate. Can you now see the connection between the parable of the unforgiving servant and the discourse on divorce? That it is no coincidence but by design of the Holy Spirit? Why? Because the problem with the evil steward, the unforgiving steward, was his heart. What's the problem of divorce? Heart. You're not willing to forgive. That's why you divorce. That's the bottom line. The parable reveals the main problem of divorce, the refusal to forgive, and the result is what? A hardened heart. And the hardened heart is evidence of man's self-centeredness and his wicked heart, Jeremiah 17, 9, as well as Matthew 15, 18 through 19. That's the problem. Oh, if I had another woman, ah, you'd mess her up too. Oh, if I had another man, ah, it'd be the same thing. Problem is in, in you, your heart. Notice sixthly in verse 9. Jesus proclaims the single reason for divorce. Listen to me. He proclaims the single reason for divorce. Okay, so you read his words so that you don't get mad at me. Now at this point, let me give you a footnote. Paul adds one more reason, abandonment. In 1 Corinthians 7, 15 through 16. If a husband or wife leaves you, that doesn't mean for a day or two. It means that they leave you abandoned. You don't know where they're at. They, they're gone for months and years. Okay, that's abandonment. All right? Now let's look at the words of Jesus. Verse 9. Jesus says, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced, commits adultery. Now follow me. First, Jesus declares there is only one reason allowed for divorce, sexual immorality, unfaithfulness. 
faithfulness. Now, the word for sexual immorality is pornea, which has a broad meaning in its different forms to sexual sin. It could be fondling, it could be petting, it could be even sexual intercourse. So it's used in various uh, levels. For the most part, the word is used for any sexual involvement before marriage, including intercourse. Now, the context is important. In our text is marriage. Therefore, I believe it is limited to adultery, not fornication before marriage. And I'll give you my reasons why, okay? First, remember, they already knew the law commanded them to be stoned if a woman passed herself as a virgin and she was not, and if a person also had committed adultery. He's talking to Jews. He's talking to the Pharisees, right? They knew that. Secondly, if Jesus meant fornication, sex before marriage, as a reason for divorce, then Jesus just opened up a whole can of worms for all the Gentiles that were to be saved in the future because they were coming out of a sexual, immoral culture, as well as the, the, the future generations such as our own. You imagine how many of you would want to get divorced if that was a clause? Oh, great, I found a biblical clause. I'm out of here. Oh, no. This is New Testament, remember? Remember the servant? You know who that servant is in the parable? You and me. We owe billions, and God says, ah, shine it. And our wife owes us one penny. He says, you're going to pay with blood. Or our husband. The parable is about you and me, Okay? Remember, sex before marriage is sin against your own body as well as God because you are not married to anyone. Okay? This offense is against the husband or the wife. So the context is marriage. So I have to interpret it to be adultery. Okay? Now, it is an allowance. It is not a command. If your mate does commit adultery, you can divorce them. Understand me. But also understand me. And understand me more clearly that if there is true, genuine repentance, then you should forgive and your marriage will be the best for it. Honest. You'll have a rough going, but you will turn around years down the road and you'll say, thank you, Jesus, that I hung in there. Trust me. I hear it all the time. Notice Jesus is the authority. He said, I say to you, this is New Testament. We do not stone adulterers. We are permitted to be set free from them, but we do not stone them. The principle of the New Testament is forgiveness through the love and compassion of God to others as we have received. If there is genuine repentance, there is a condition. If your husband and wife is continually committing adultery, that's not genuine repentance. You have the right to leave them. But for some, whatever situation has happened, if there's genuine repentance, then the best thing is to forgive and be reconciled. Remember the evil servant, the unforgiving servant. Now, that condition can only be judged by you, not by the pastor, not by the elders. You live with your mate. You know if there's genuine repentance. You make that decision, husband. You make that decision, wife. Nobody can make it for you or should make it for you. I have never told anybody to leave their husband, even after adultery or, or, or a wife. I've always asked them to work it out if need be. But they're the only ones that have that decision. I do not have that decision. Jesus declares what happens if you divorce for any other reason than adultery in verse 9 also. Listen to his words. He says, except for sexual morality and marries another, he commits adultery, and whoever marries her 
who is divorced commits adultery. Now follow me in this. The man who divorces his wife without there being adultery, in other words, his wife did not commit adultery, and he marries another woman, he commits adultery. Okay? And lives in a state of adultery. Until there is genuine repentance after the divorce or into the second marriage and God forgives him. And then, of course, he's a new creature, right? Because divorce is not the unpardonable sin. But let me give you a caution here. I've seen many Christians do this. They just use a loophole. They just do it. And then they, they, they say, well, you know, I've repented all that. You know, I, it doesn't matter what you tell me. God knows why you did it. And if you say, well, I'll just do this, then I'll just come back and I'll go to the church. God knows you, and you will see God one day. And he will hold you responsible. So that responsibility is yours. That's not mine. That's yours. You understand what I'm saying? You can play games with me, but you don't play games with God. Okay? Malachi 2, 13 and 17, God says, hey, get out of here. Get out of the altar. You're crying to me about your wife. And here you're being, you're, you're, you're mistreating the wife of your youth. You're marrying other women. And there's a lot of Christians that tell you a sad story. And you know what? They have no basis for their divorce, and they're not genuinely repentant. What's going to happen? Well, they're going to meet God one of these days. That's what. And their life here is not going to be that good, I guarantee you. Once you're married, you marry somebody else. You got baggage, big baggage, and you know it. Now, the woman who was divorced for being an adulteress, if she remarries, the man who marries her, he commits adultery with her until they repent. Okay? Now, some people say, well, now if you repent, you should go back to your first marriage. No, no, <laughs> no. You, you don't get up in the morning and to get dressed, you go to the dirty laundry, you put on clothes, do you? No, you don't. If you've been divorced and you're remarried and you're a Christian now, uh, you stay married to that one. You don't go back. Now, if you divorce your wife or husband and you're single and then you come to the Lord and they're not married, then go back. Try to reconcile it. But don't get out of the marriage you're in. That's crazy. Don't believe anybody who tells you that. The innocent party can remarry. But the guilty party cannot remarry until there's repentance. Okay? It's very, very simple. These are the words of Jesus. He doesn't speak much about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Just here. So we have to take him as a standard. Now watch what Jesus says now seventhly in verses 10 and 12. He says some pretty harsh words. Some of you I can see you squirming right now. Jesus responds to his disciples reaction to this teaching on, on divorce. The disciples concluded, if that be the only reason, adultery, it is better not to marry, verse 10 says. And Jesus declares that not all have the gift of being single, which is given to us in 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Listen to verse 11. But he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who were made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So Jesus illustrates the gifted person in being able to live a single life without needing to be married and have sexual intercourse. And he illustrates it and contrasts it to the other various types of singleness. First, eunuchs who are born out of a physical nature, handicap, or an ability to be able to get married and have sex. 
first. Second, the eunuch who was made by men eunuch for the protection of their harem or maybe by some sex crime they've committed and they get castrated. That used to be in this nation also. Thirdly, is a eunuch who has made themselves a single person for the kingdom of God either through the gift of God in 1 Corinthians 7, 7 or by the commitment knowing that what God has called them to do is too rigorous, too dangerous and maybe out in the bush and they don't want to bring their mate into that. Here you have it. Do you understand the seriousness of the words of Jesus about marriage, divorce, and remarriage? Listen, you can tell me anything you want. You can justify, you can point fingers. I'm not the judge. I am not God. All of us will see God one day, okay? And you know if you've done everything possible and scriptural to be set free from a marriage or not. It doesn't matter what I know. The important thing is what you know and what God knows. Let me finish by giving you some application, okay? Very important. First, date someone you have known for a while, not a casual acquaintance and only a Christian, singles. Secondly, set the boundaries before you go out with the person and make a commitment to your, in your heart before you find yourself in the backseat of a car. Before you tell them, listen, I'm a Christian, and you should be dating only Christians. And say, listen, I don't mess around. I don't have sex or any of this. And that's it. Right up front. You may save yourself a lot of time. Say, well, okay, bye. Bye. You're the blessed for it. No sweat. Thirdly, don't become too familiar with each other as boyfriend or girlfriend on a daily physical basis and liberties. It will break down your resistance. Remember the law of demands returns very cruel. First time you grab hands, oh, man, it's so great. Then next time you go right to the arm, right? Because you've already done that. Then it's a wrist. Then it's face to face. And it keeps on going, doesn't it? Be careful. Fourthly, track with each other in honesty as to your commitment to each other in a, in a relationship of boyfriend, girlfriend. Don't lead someone on. Your feelings change, you tell them. Don't play games. Be honest about your sexual purity only to the person you're going to marry. Outside of that, it's nobody's business. The church is not a big throw-up bowl. It's nobody's business. Okay? But well, before you get married, you make sure you're honest. Don't be dishonest. Don't be dishonorable. Because then you set up booby traps in your marriage. That person will feel entrapped, deceived, and they will be angry. Honest. You be careful. Seventh, understand that no marriage is perfect. It takes much dying to self through Christ. If you singles think you have problems now, <laughs> wait till you get in marriage. <laughs> Eighth, cultivate your love relationship in marriage and romance. Do things for your wives. Write them letters. Call them. Romance them. Sheesh. You didn't get her by the way you treat her now. Ninth, divorce should only be considered for adultery and abandonment. So consider well who you're going to marry. Tenth, marriage can be the greatest joy in life if we trust Jesus, regardless of our failures, if we trust Jesus. What can cleanse me from my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is what the Bible teaches on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. So remember, the seriousness of sexual purity before marriage for all you virgins out there. 
the seriousness of divorce in marriage, those of you who are contemplating marriage and are married, and the seriousness of the words of Jesus about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. They're not mine. Consider them well. Pastor Xavier Reese with a poignant reminder about taking God's Word seriously, especially when it comes to marriage. And make sure you pick up a copy of today's study. It's called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. It's available on CD for just $4. This also contains what Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, how accountable are we for our actions? Find out when Pastor Xavier Reese brings us more insight from God's Word. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 